Miyu Yamashita could be like a super big deal, um, if not now in the future. I think she's going to be really big. She's really incredible. She's so athletic and hard hitting, and uh, you know you can just tell she's very passionate about what she does. For whenever you're listening to the Joshi Pod, your weekly podcast about all things Japanese women's wrestling. Joshi Wrestling! I'm your host, Eric Howard, coming to you from rainy San Diego, California. Two weeks in a row, two weeks rain. This is not what San Diego's all about. I'm recording this on Thursday night, American Thanksgiving. I'm very thankful for my family and friends, and I'm also very thankful you guys have decided to join me on this adventure. Got a real cool mention on Twitter this week. My buddy Aaron said uh, when he mentioned this show that it was a labor of love, and he's absolutely spot on. I love sharing the stories of the people that work so hard in the Joshi wrestling industry. Uh, some of those people coming up in future episodes is Zoe Sky, who previously wrestled as Angel Dust and Dust and uh, who did a, a stardom tour in 2018. Looks like she's also going back in January of 2020. So that'll be a fun uh, chat on a future episode. Also coming up this month is uh, an interview with Thekla, an Austrian wrestler who toured Ice Ribbon over the summer. And I'm also working on uh, finalizing a date with Nightshade, who recently toured with Tokyo Joshi Pro. I'm also working on a big one for the end of the year show. I'm keeping my pencil sharp to write down some interesting questions for this person. Also, by the time you guys hear this, it's my birthday. Thank you. Thank you for all the birthday wishes. I appreciate it. <laughs> and for my birthday, I would love for you guys to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, please also follow the podcast on Twitter at the Joshi Pod. I want to thank the Renaissance Woman Hyen for joining us last week. If you haven't heard that one yet, please go back and give it a listen. Uh, this week, I attended a uh, wrestling show at the Comedy Store in Hollywood, California. It was put on by the Store Horsemen, a group of... Uh, comedians who are also huge wrestling fans and do a, a pretty cool podcast i gotta give a shout out to my podcast brothers uh they put on a real entertaining show all kinds of people you know, brian pillman jr was there luchasaurus uh, a couple of people i chatted with too uh, i hope they put on some more shows going forward while I was at the show, I did some guerrilla-style podcasting. Uh, I was able to get a couple of quick uh, interviews outside the comedy store. I think you're going to like them both. One of those interviews will be part of our top five headlines of the week. The Warmaster Josh Barnett will share his uh, opinion about Japanese women's wrestling training. Uh, we'll also have our show of the week that we're going to review the November 23rd Tokyo Joshi Pro Show from Shinkiba First Ring. We'll highlight some of the big shows this week uh, coming up in Japan. We'll also take a look and we'll see where Joshi performers are performing outside of Japan. And in the main event, we heard we joined by hell's favorite harlot priscilla kelly uh, she's done multiple tours with tokyo joshi pro it was a quick chat outside on the sunset strip you hear car noises and crowds in the background i was thankful she took the time to join me for the chat first our top five headlines of the week are brought to you by one of our show sponsors quiet Wyatt designs if you need a logo t-shirt sticker hat design so much more please reach out to nolan and the team at quiet Wyatt designs uh, my new logo is coming along very well looks great uh, should be out real soon uh, some of their designs are available on Redbubble. Uh, you can also also reach them on Facebook by searching Quiet Wyatt, Q-U-I-E-T-W-Y-A-T-T, one word, designs. Uh, they've done some great work for several wrestlers and promotions, and they'll do great work for you, too. Headline number one. 
Don't cry because it's over. Smile because it happened. Stardom Suzuki unexpectedly announced she'll be retiring at the end of the year. No reason was given, but the Stardom's Twitter mentioned about her leaving on her own terms. I reached out to a couple of the Stardom regular fans in Japan, and there was no really indication beforehand that the retirement was coming. Almost all the feedback about her retiring on social media has been that fans are disappointed she's leaving, but also happy for her that she's moving on to what she wants to do. She made her debut in 2014. Uh, in 2015, she won the Rookie of Stardom Tournament. 2016, she joined his Queen's Quest. Uh, 2017, she won the Artist of Stardom Championship. In the 2018 Stardom Draft, she was drafted by Oed Otai. And that's when she started going by Hazuki. I think that's where she hit her stride. As her, her body matured, she got even better in the ring. Uh, her mic skills also got better, and she showed way more aggression. Uh, in 2019, she defeated Mary Apache for the High Speed Championship. Her retirement match will be December 24th, where she handpicked Natsu, Natsuko Tora to be her opponent. I don't think she reached the height she could have because she just wasn't, you know, in the game long enough. But she was, she made strides, and I think she really could have been one of the top stars in stardom if she, if she uh, decided to stick around. Let's hope she's moving on for positive reasons. We wish Hazuki the best. Well, we're talking about stardom. After the mix-up with Ice Ribbon has been cleared up, Julia has been uh, posting pictures on Twitter at stardom shows lurking in the background. Uh, it was finally announced on Thursday she'll be facing Hanukkah Murat Kirk and Hall on December 24th. Also on the Christmas Eve show, Konami will challenge Ariska Hoshiki for the Wonder of Stardom Championship, and Mayu Itani will defend her World of Stardom title against Kagetsu. There's so much interest in this show that they're going to open up that north uh, side of the uh, Corican Hall where they normally curtain it off. They're going to open it up because uh, I guess that uh, uh, people have shown so much interest in this show, and I don't, I don't blame them. I wish I was there for it. Also on the 24th, uh, Takaki Kidani, uh, the founder of Bushi Road, will be at the show to talk about the future of stardom. Headline number two, In Search of a New Actress. Saori Anao has announced that she's leaving Actress Girls at the end of the year. This is a pretty decent blow for Actress Girls. Uh, it's not sure where she's going to go yet. Stardom is always an option. You also wonder if she just wants to be a freelance for a while and test the open market. Could she be one of Kenny Omega's talents he's talked about bringing into AEW in 2020? She's about the best uh, Actress Girls has, so uh, I, I wouldn't blame Kenny for, for wanting to bring her in. I wouldn't blame Stardom for wanting to bring her in as well. Headline number three. Ouch! Marvelous's Mio Mimono injured her elbow recently. Looks like she tore a ligament in her elbow and she's going to miss several months. She hasn't been back that long from her ACL injury. So uh, she's got that little injury bug she needs to overcome. Gatomu's Sayaka Obihiro will be taking uh, time off to heal up. She's expected to return in the springtime. And also poor Mayu Itani lost a tooth. You can see pictures on her Twitter account. Headline number four, Rising from the Ashes. Gato Move Thailand had their last show this past week, but the formation of Setup Thailand Pro Wrestling was announced earlier this week. I would also encourage you, if you haven't listened yet, to go back and download episode two of the Joshi Pod and hear Pumi discuss the Thailand wrestling scene. On Twitter, Pumi announced, I'm starting a new promo wrestling promotion in Thailand. Set up Thailand Pro Wrestling means we will set up the pro wrestling scene once again here. Please support us, retweet, and follow our social media network. You can follow them on Twitter at setup, S-E-T-U-P-T-H. Give them a follow. Follow Pumi as well. Dr. Gore was the first wrestler announced for Setup. And some good news... Uh, Pumi will remain the voice of Gata Move doing the play-by-play -play for their YouTube videos. We couldn't have him go away. Headline number five. That feeling in your stomach when you see your crush gal. Crush gal Chigusa Nagaya will be ret retiring on the Marvelous's December 8th show at Corican Hall when she takes on Takumi Aroha. Nagaya is an absolute legend and a throwback from a whole different era. As part of the Crush Gals with Lioness Asuka, Nagayo became a mainstream star and an icon to young Japanese women. 
Uh, she later started the Gaia promotion, which was made famous by the BBC documentary called Gaia Girls. It's on YouTube. Go out of your way to watch it. It's amazing. Uh, Nagaya's influences on the industry can't be overstated. She's been called the most popular women's wrestler of all time. Josh Barnett was in Japan and saw the, how those uh, Joshi wrestlers trained back then. Uh, when I spoke with him, uh, he talked about how they trained. Uh, he even brought up the Gaia Girls and the Gaia Girls documentary. Um, let's, let's have a listen to what Josh has to say about, uh, Japanese women's wrestling training. And again, remember this was recorded outside the comedy store. So it's a little bit noisy in the background. The Japanese women, well, basically it's like this. Japanese professional wrestling is rooted in shoot. I mean, it just is the, I don't know the intricacies of all the different schools or dojos, how they would be set up now. But uh, even in the 2000s, uh, like the way the New Japan Dojo was set up, the way the Gaia Dojo, all these dojos, it was there was work on what you would consider professional wrestling in the more, I suppose, I would say worked elements. But they, their whole foundation was catch wrestling, martial arts, Muay Thai, all this kind of stuff. So they spent more time learning how to really pin someone, really submit someone, really hit them than they did, you know, working on like how to run the ropes and stuff like that. And I think that's, you know, a big reason why Japanese wrestling is as tight and looks as good as it does. Uh, but when it came to the women, they, there was no differentiating that. There was no changing, or I should say, there was no alteration of the programming because they're women. Um, you know, if... I don't know much about your audience and how much they would know this, but uh, Japan has the most dominant female amateur wrestling team in the world. Like they've won, they have more Olympic champions, they have won more world titles, more, 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 and more again. Like they are by and above, by, by far and above the most decorated freestyle wrestling uh, uh, program in the world. Do you think that'll turn into more MMA fighters or professional wrestlers or both? Neither. Because usually after the ends of their careers, they get married and have kids. That's a big thing for... Uh, it's a very traditional way of um, of, uh, of the way that their careers will... I, sh- I mean, being married and having a kid is not a career. I, I was, Actually, I'm sure it feels like it. But, but that's just a very um, traditional pathway for, for female athletes in Japan. But... Um, with um, with Japanese women's professional wrestling, uh, if you watch, like the, if you see the the uh, documentary Gaia Girls, that's not it's not new to them. That's not this isn't different. That is the way they approach wrestling, and they take it very very seriously. I used to train uh, when I was training at the UWF Snake Pit in Tokyo in the yeah, mid two thousands. There was a girl who uh, went by the working working name of Sasore, Scorpion. She worked in All Japan Women's. And she trained Muay Thai there. She would train uh, catch and stuff like that. And and she'd been through the dojo system to get where she was. And, you know, hey. (laughs) And and, uh, she, I don't know how it even came up, but she was like, go ahead and chop me. Like really, and she just stood there, stone faced, hands behind her back, because that's how they learn to take chops. And I cracked her good, and she didn't even flinch. And the thing is, you know, we we'd spar, we sometimes we grapple on the ground a little bit. I mean, there was no there was no delineation 
I'm a girl and you're a guy. Blah. It, it didn't work that way. And I think, you know, it goes a long way towards creating a functional, legitimate wrestler that can go out there and work matches. Do you, do you think they're going to be successful over here in the States as well, the Japanese girls coming over? 100%. I think that anybody can actually succeed here in the States, to be honest. Uh, I think we have a great... Um, we have a great platform across all the different ways in which you can view wrestling. And, um, you know, there's so many great workers. And, and this is such a, a, a good spot for uh, international talent to come and go. Um, so I have no doubt that Japanese girls can succeed. My only concern, if I was looking at this from the perspective of someone as a, as a coach, let's say, um, is that I would be more concerned that de- wherever they may end up, them altering who they are too greatly to fit in with a supposed ideal or a supposed like oh you have to work this way kind of thing I think uh, there's always a a danger and that that goes for male wrestlers too to then conform so wholly to a system that you just become another thing of it instead of standing out and, and, and being something that stands upon its own any particular wrestlers that you saw in the past that you had like respect for, or certain people that stood out to you in the past? Talk about women wrestlers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, oh, God. Mariko Yoshida. Um, I would love to to have uh, Mako Satomura in Bloodsport if possible. Um, I remember the 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 wrestlers that really introduced me to Japanese wrestling was the Jumping Bomb Angels in the WWF. I just remember watching them going, what the hell? Like, this this isn't what I'm used to seeing. This is gnarly. This is badass. Same as I. I that's a freaking wise sauce. Yeah, but, but there are, uh, there's a, t- a ton of them. Like, uh, uh, Shinobu Kondori and, and, you know, the fact that they had legit shoot fights in Japan in the early 90s uh, with, with wrestlers. Like, these girls went out there and legit fought people, fought judoka, Olympic judoka and sambo girls and all this stuff. And, yeah, they really went for it, you know. That I can't even imagine such a thing like going to some even a big indie federation. Be like, oh, hey, all you female wrestlers right now, oh, you're all going to do shoot fights. You're like, uh, no way. You know, uh, uh-uh. uh, are you kidding me? Like, they'd be completely unprepared. The show of the week this week is Tokyo Joshi Pro's show from November 23rd at Shinkiba First Ring. It aired live on the DDT Universe streaming service. In the opener, Mizuki, Yuki Aino, and Mirai Mayumi defeated Yuna Manase, Yuki Kamafuku, and Mahiro Kiryu. Aino looked really strong in this match, and she submitted uh, she submitted Kiryu for the win. In a very entertaining match, Miyu Yamashita defeated Neko Haruna and Palm Harajuku in a handicap match. The two kept trying to sneak, uh, sneak attack Yamashita when she wasn't looking, but kept getting caught and basically ran away uh palm harajuku's got it she's she's so entertaining she's going to be uh i think very successful for them uh miyu is just so good and, and pinned both of her opponents at the same time she's looking strong heading into her title match in january against yuka sakazaki in the third match on the card misao defeated suzumi in a little bit of an upset hikari noah and mina shirakawa defeated maki ito and raku uh after the match uh noah challenged ito for the international princess championship looks like that's going to happen in january in the semi-main event saki sama and rika tatsumi which we Preview last week. I went to a no contest after a little over 10 minutes. The score was not settled, and Masao remains under the power of Saki Sama. Uh, they set up a singles match between Rika and Masao on November 30th. 
In the main event, Yuka Sakazaki and Shoko Nakajima defeated Miyu Watanabe and Nadoka Tenma when Yuka and Shoko, and Shoko combined for a roll-up on Tenma. You have to see it to believe it. Again, I'm super impressed by Miyu Watanabe. I think she is the future of Tokyo Joshi Pro. Let's take a quick look at the shows in Japan this week. First on today, uh, Sendai Girls are in Yokohama uh, tomorrow. Uh, that's when Rika and Masao have their one-on-one challenge. Rika's not giving up at the Tokyo Joshi Pro Show in Yokohama. Also on the 30th, Ice Ribbon at the Ice Ribbon Dojo, Yappy will face Maya Yukihi for the first time. Uh, there's also an evening show from Sendai Girls in Yokohama and Radiant, at Radiant Hall on the 30th. On December 1st, Gato Move is at the OG Basement Monster. I love that place. May Saruga will be facing uh, Seedlings Nanai Takahashi in the main event. Emi Sakura, Lulu Pencil, Che, Yuna Mizumori, Mitsuru Kono, and others will be on the card. Also on the first, Stardom has a day-night doubleheader in Osaka. On the morning show, Kagetsu and Hazuki are facing Mayu Iwatani and Arisa Hoshiki. There's also an eight-woman match between Stars and Queen's Quest. In the evening, there's a ten-woman match with Tokyo Cyber Squad uh, facing Uedotai, and there's also an eight-woman match where Stars are facing Queen's Quest. Also in the first section, Keeper Ring Wave has a show, and Ice Ribbon has a show in Saitama, where both the Ribbon Triangle Championship and the Ice Ribbon Tag Team Championships will be on the line. Finally, in the first, Pure J is running an evening show at the OG Basement Monster. Here's where the Joshi women will be performing outside of Japan. Tomorrow, November 30th and Sunday, December 1st, Miko Satomura will be in Seattle, Washington, making her debut for Defy Wrestling at Wrestle Summit 2. On the 30th, she'll be facing the great Nicole Savoy. Uh, I don't think her match for the first has been decided yet. I've heard some grumblings that it's going to be a tag team match. Get your tickets at DefyWrestling.com. You're not going to want to miss Miko in the U.S. The UK fans, uh, Miko's going to be in Sheffield, England on December 15th for progress. Uh, she's going to defend her women's championship. We are a little over a week away from the Chara Expo 2019. It's taking place in Anaheim, California, December 7th and 8th. Time Nakano and Mayu Iwatani will be making a very rare California appearance. Uh, both matches are going to be at 2 o'clock each day. Take advantage of this, guys. I keep stressing so much to take advantage of seeing these two perform live. You can get tickets by visiting the website at charaexpo-usa.com. If you purchase a Stardom t-shirt, you'll receive a numbered ticket for the meet and greet with Tam and Mayu. I do also want to mention Eve Riot Girls of Wrestling Presents Wrestle Queendom 3 will be January 11th at the 229 the venue no card has been announced yet but you can be pretty sure there'll be joshi talent on the show if any promoters or fans would like to share any information on upcoming shows where joshi performers will be performing outside of japan please email the show at the joshipod at gmail.com the main event interview is sponsored by the level up pro wrestling school b-boy who has over 20 years in the wrestling industry with companies including ring of honor ccw pro wrestling gorilla and so much more is the head trainer if you happen to catch the chronicle episode about king velasquez this week on the wwe network you saw Level Up Pro Wrestling School featured prominently. If you're looking to get started or looking to tighten up and polish yourself, get ready for a, a tryout with one of the big companies, please reach out to Le- the Level Up Wrestling School, levelupschool.sd at gmail.com, or give them a call at 619-825-7668. Before we get to that main event interview with Priscilla Kelly from outside the comedy store, I want to remind you guys to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You can follow me on Twitter at Eric San Diego and the show at The Joshi Pod. Please support all of our sponsors. They help me so much. Uh, I'll put links in the uh, show notes for how to reach out again to those sponsors. I will see you guys next week. Arigato gozaimasu!
She made her pro wrestling debut in 2015 in Atlanta, Georgia. In 2016, she made her Shine debut at Shine 37. In May 2017, she debuted for Evolve. In July of 2017, she became the inaugural Shine Nova champion, defeating Candy Cartwright in the tournament finals. In 2018, uh, she participated in the WWE's Mae Young Classic. She is sought out by promotions around the world. She's now a regular at Rise, Shimmer, Bar Wrestling, and recently appeared at MLW. And in 2018, she made her debut for Tokyo Joshi Pro Wrestling, and that's where I'd like to bring on the show Hell's Favorite Harlot, Priscilla Kelly. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. So how did the door open for you to go to Tokyo Joshi Pro? Um, I, I think it was like, honestly, I think like um, just word of mouth, you know, me gaining popularity and with my uh, character and gimmick and everything, I think it was something that they thought would be like just a great addition to, um, you know, over there they have a lot of different personalities and characters and uh, I just think they saw me as something different um, and it was really awesome because my first time ever coming, they, the crowd took to me really well and um, yeah, I, I love working for Japan, really I do. Who reached out to you to go over? Um, DDT Pro uh, reached out to me and booked me for all the shows that I did there, so everything I did was through them and I did a few DDT Pro shows as well as the Tokyo Joshi. Um, so yeah, I did like three tours. Uh, I did like Osaka and I did Tokyo and. Um so, okay, I, I like to talk because I mean, it, what really interests me is like the day-to-day -day stuff. Like the wrestling stuff's fine, but just the the living in Japan, the training in Japan. Were you staying at uh, staying at the dojo, or were you staying at a, at a how how was your living? Yeah, I used to, I stayed at a dojo while I was there. Um, it was really nice. Uh, I stayed like a little bit outside of the city, but uh, like, like Japan's cool because you can just take a train anywhere. Um, and I lived like, well, I stayed like ten minutes from like an anytime fitness, so <laughs> it was perfect for me because I could just go work out all the time, take a train to uh, Takashita Street, spend all my money on cute Jap Japanese clothes. So. <laughs> So did you have to do like, we hear about the crazy dojo training, do you have to do the crazy dojo trainings too? Um, not really, they had like scheduled classes, uh, I never really did the training while I was there just because like I never really had time, um, but they, yeah, they did have a training uh, program while I was there, um, it was just mainly for like the Joshi girls themselves, like I was just there temporarily. Yeah, that's good. Alright, so some of your matches you had, who, who stood out to you as far as people you wrestled over there? Um, Miyu Yamashita was definitely one of the toughest opponents that I had and probably one of my favorite matches. Um, but yeah, I would say Miyu Yamashita or um, Yuka Sakazaki, uh, she's really good. Um, I would say they were probably my two favorites. Who do you think of the women you wrestled over there could be successful in the United States as well? What was that, sorry? Who could be successful in the United States as well? Um, I think any of them could be really successful. I know Yuka's done, uh, she did AEW a while back, um, and I think she's really different looking. Um, but I, th I think Miyu Yamashita could be like a super big deal. Um, if not now, in the future, I think she's gonna be really big. She's really incredible. She's so athletic and hard hitting, and uh, you know you can just tell she's very passionate about what she does. Okay, so uh, I'm gonna ask you about a few different people. Maki Ito, super personality. What are your opinions on Maki Ito? The one that sings when she comes out? I think she was there the first time I came over. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, di I didn't get to know a lot of the girls, like, um, personally, just because, like, the language barrier was so, uh, you know, it's just so hard. Even just putting matches together over there, it's very difficult because nobody really speaks any English. So, uh, yeah, that's, like, the hardest part is, like, getting to know the girls. And uh, as an American, you do kind of start to feel kind of alone after a while because nobody speaks English. There was another guy, you know, over there with you? Uh, no. Um, I think there were some like American guys, 
but I never was really around them too much, except for maybe the DDT shows. But yeah, Tokyo Joshi, it was all Japanese girls. So, uh, talking about putting a match together, is it feel that you have to do, or are they, do they know a little bit of English words for some of the moves? Um, I had like a translator, but even he wasn't super great at English either, so uh, it was incredibly difficult. It would take like very, very long time to, to put matches together, um, but I mean, wrestling's universal in a way to where, you know, if you, if you know one move, you can just kind of like, you know, kind of show with your hands what you're trying to do, and uh, you can figure it out from there. But definitely not as easy as over here. What was your favorite match over there? Um, I, Tokyo Joshi, I would say, like, me versus me, Yamashita for the title. Was that uh, your last match over there? That was my last match. Um, I would either say that one or um, at DDT, I did get a chance to get in the ring with Jun Kasai. So that was really cool. Um, so yeah, it was probably my two top moments, matches. What was it there. like in the ring with Jun Kasai? Uh, Junka says hilarious, and I think he's like so cool. And I wish I could have like a full time singles match with Junka Sai. Like, put that out there. I want to match with Junka Sai. <laughs> so, uh, you went there what three times last year? Yeah. Any three future times. trips planned at all over to Japan? Not yet. I've been doing more England. Um, this year I did Germany and England, so I'm kind of like going in that direction, I think, a little bit more in the next year. Uh, I'm hoping to get over to Australia soon, um, but I'd love to go back to DDT again soon. Um, because I, I really love everyone at DDT. It's just so welcoming and nice, and they, they took, take such good care of you there. And um, yeah, I'd love to go back, go the, back to Takashita Street. <laughs> <laughs> so the girls took good care of you as well. They watch you in okay. And... Yeah, everyone's so nice. Like I mean, they don't really speak much English, but you can just tell they mean well, and they, everyone's just so happy and you know, just happy to be around. It's like good energy. So, what inside the ring did you take from Japan back here that you use now? Um, learning how to put together matches with people that don't know what you're saying like that's that's like a skill that I think I definitely learned uh, while I was there and that's a really good skill to have in professional wrestling because there are a lot of people from either Mexico or uh, you know if they're from Canada and they speak French or uh, Japan yeah, the language barrier is something you will always have to face throughout your career and I think that's a really good skill to have good okay outside of the ring what's your favorite thing about Japan what are some of your favorite things about Japan um, Probably the goth district. I love like the gothic style that they have in Japan. It's so like uh, different and uh, innovative. And um, yeah, definitely that and the sweets, the souffle pancakes. Yeah. Did you go to, I ask everybody this, did you go to 7-Eleven? I went to a Lawson a lot. I did uh -huh. go to 7-Eleven, but I was big on the Lawson egg salad sandwiches. Yeah, uh, yeah that was my go-to. Their food is amazing. All right, let me look at your. I'm gonna look at your match listing real quick here. I just want to ask you about a couple of matches in yeah. particular. Sorry. So, what was the favorite venue you wrestled at? Um, I don't know. Like Kirkin Hall is like the big one where like everybody, everybody's wrestled there. That's like the place. Uh, so probably there, definitely. I just think there's so much history in that building. Everyone knows it. It's that, that's definitely the place I think was coolest. Did you like the Monstar, the OG Monster, the little dome arena? Do you remember that one? Uh, I honestly don't know what a lot of them were called. <laughs> <laughs> I was just kind of going with the flow when I was there. I was like, okay, we're wrestling here today. Okay, cool. So people just led you around. You just went wherever. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> All right. So you, uh, the DDT experience. Tell me about a little bit more about the getting away from the Joshi girls over to working for DDT. 
Um, DBT was super fun too. I got to work with a lot more of the guys there. Uh, and I think like the crowd was a little bit different for DDT. Um, a little bit more loud at DDT, I think. Um, and I don't know, like it's still super fun. And like I had some of my American friends with me there so I could, you know, actually talk to them and whatnot. Like Ethan Page was there with me. And uh, I had a match uh, with Ethan Page actually. He was on my on my team. But um, yeah, it was super fun. Like, Going with Mike Daly? Yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. yeah.